Hi, everybody. Wanted to welcome you to this Christmas episode of Real Classy with Amber Sarno, where we're going to be talking about Miracle on 34th Street. Uh, before we get started, I just wanted to say hello. Uh, this is Chris Emerson, by the way, in case you're new. Um, so it's been a long time since I've uh, been doing this podcast. It's been maybe a year and a half, close to two years. I'm not sure. Uh, a lot has happened in my life since I was doing Real Classy on a regular basis. I've gone through several kind of uh, career changes and and several life changes in general, and and it's been real good. And uh, I just kind of wanted to take this opportunity to thank anybody who's actually listening to this podcast or has listened to any of the episodes that I've posted in the past. Um, there's not a whole lot of people who listen, but it is something that I've put a good amount of my time into uh, recording episodes of this podcast. So it is something that I really appreciate if someone actually takes the time to listen to my dumb old movie podcast. So thank you very much for doing that. Um, I started this podcast uh, at a time in my life when things were not going as well. And it was very helpful and therapeutic for me to kind of have something uh, that I was actively doing that was driving me to pursue communicating with people and working on something that was sort of creative and for me. And uh, it's it was a very good thing for my life, and I think that it led to some other very good things happening in my life. Maybe not in a direct way, but sort of in an indirect way. And so, uh, yeah, whether or not I do a whole lot more of this podcast, um, it is... Uh, something that I very much enjoy and I want to keep doing it. Uh, it's a lot harder now. I'm a lot busier now than I was when I first started doing it. So not sure if I'll be able to post episodes on a very regular basis, but I have a few people who have expressed interest in wanting to record. So I thought, why not, you know, kind of make a season two. So this is, I guess the start of that. I've recorded a couple episodes already and, uh, Hopefully we'll be recording more very soon. So look forward to at least one more. <laughs> and uh, anyway, I'm rambling. Thank you again so much for listening. And please enjoy the show. And also have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And please enjoy the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Real Classy. The podcast where we talk about old movies, black and white movies, because it's fun. I am your host, Christopher Emerson. Today, my guest is my friend, Amber Sarno. Hello, Amber. Hello, Chris. How are you today? I'm doing quite well, thank you. How are you? Good. Today, we are <laughs> discussing the 1947 mm-hmm. black and white Christmas classic, Miracle on 34th Street, in honor of the Christmas season. Yes. This movie stars Maureen O'Hare, John Payne, Edmund Gwen, Jean Lockhart, and Natalie Wood as the incomparable little Sissy. Amber, why don't you tell our listening audience a little bit about yourself? Oh, all right. I guess on a on a deeply emotional level, as you have encouraged me to. We're just like who you are. Who am I? Oh, I, I, I'm a Pixar enthusiast. Okay. So it's a little, it's a little out of my element that we're talking about this movie today, but it it has a history with me because every 
Thanksgiving, I think, when they would show the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade on NBC. After that, they would play the, uh, the movie, Miracle on 34th Street. So I'd watch that at my grandmother's house and really enjoyed watching it every year when I was growing up. So let's say I'm a Pixar enthusiast, but I can, I can make allowance for, for classics like this. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting <laughs> note about yourself. <laughs> now, this movie, what are your, uh, having watched it now more recently, what are your initial thoughts? There is so much more in it than I remember from my childhood. Um, the, the themes that are there, it's not just about proving that Santa Claus was real or that Kris Kringle is real, but I, I, did some, I did some digging. And 1947 is when this movie came out, premiered in May, and the Cold War was just beginning mm -hmm. in America. So first you come out of World War II, there's been a lot of loss, there's been a lot of life has not been normal, and that's what people are desperately trying to get back to. And this movie embodies a bit of that escapism, a bit of that faith and that hope that people are are wanting to to see in their own lives and so you've, you've got this this period of time where people audiences feel like that and so the themes there are not just about again not just about proving that santa claus is real right. but it's about these other themes of trying to believe despite everything that happens mm -hmm. having faith. like faith in mm -hmm. humanity in general yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh sort of contrary to how i originally remembered this movie it's not actually about like show like proving that chris kringle is the actual literal magical santa claus mm. like for some reason in my memory i thought that there would be like a scene where he flies away on a sleigh Right. Or he, you know, jiggles his nose and toys appear. Mm. That never actually happens. We never get any definitive, like, proof that he is a magical being. Mm -hmm. It's more just what he represents as Santa Claus. And, like, he knows Dutch. Yeah. So we get the idea, like, oh, this, this guy is, like, for the same reasons that little Susie, like, starts to believe that he's Santa Claus. He, right. He gives, you know, adequate, like, evidence mm -hmm. that, oh, he's, like, a special guy. Mm -hmm. But it's, like, for me, it's really not about, like, oh, I live at the North Pole and I fly reindeer. It's right. more about, like, I've taken on the mantle of Santa Claus and this is what it represents and this is why this is important to the world. And mm -hmm. I think that that's yeah. more the point of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can agree there. Yeah. Yeah. For me, oh. this I find this movie to be very delightful, which I think is an obvious thing because yeah. it's a classic and it's a Christmas movie, but like you get this lovable Santa Claus character from like the very beginning of the movie, mm -hmm. like and the characters are just all set up very nicely so yeah. that you get what they're about and they all work well together. Yeah. And it's a movie with this may be like kind of a silly thing to say from a film perspective, but it's a movie without like a lot of conflict. Right. <laughs> like there's not a whole lot of people who are like super angry or negative at each other, mm -hmm. except for like the therapist guy mm -hmm. is kind of a jerk. Mm -hmm. Like, but I don't know, for some reason that's kind of nice in a movie is to have like, like there's no point where like, well, I guess there's kind of a point where, uh, What's Susie's mother's name? Doreen, uh, Do I think. Doreen? Doris? Walker? 
Doris. Sorry. Yeah. Doris. There's a part where she gets kind of mad at uh, at Fred, Fred, mm-hmm. for like choosing to defend Chris mm-hmm. and like, and he gets kind of. But like you know, there's never screaming and and. There's not a lot of drama. Yeah. Per se. Yeah. It's a sweet movie, and it's and it's sort of heartwarming all the way through. And I really like that because it's sort of different. Mm-hmm. Like, you know how you watch a lot of old movies, and you're, like, waiting for that one really sad part where the puppy dies or yes. something like that? Like, yes. I feel like that doesn't really happen in this movie. No. Which I like. Because mm-hmm. you can watch it at Christmas and feel good. Exactly. It's one of those feel-good movies. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think it's a bit reminiscent of the, of the time as well. I mean, the plots of most black and white movies were... More or less, they didn't have that much of a strong conflict as we might expect in today's movies. But then again, that also just kind of continues on with that vibe of that feel good. Yeah. It's sort of a nice relief from what we're used to today. Yes. Mm -hmm. So Fred uses Susie to get to Doris. Yes. Like in a very like overt way. Question, is that like charming or is that like super creepy to be like i'm gonna hang out with your kid without you in order to like get you to pay get, attention to me right or get a, a date to come yeah, over for supper or right. whatever lunch and did i ask I, good yeah which by the way way to blow it Susie. yeah you totally, for real like you didn't understand we what we were doing here mm-hmm. subtlety <laughs> subtlety i don't know i definitely today i would consider it creepy mm-hmm. back then I don't know. I mean, it was so well received as a whole <laughs> that maybe something like that was either overlooked or it was just, it was natural at that time. Yes, yeah, just sort of so. different culture. Like, mm-hmm. that was just more... But definitely, I, when right. I watched it again, I was like, whoa, what's going on here? <laughs> you see stuff like that in these older movies. Like, in um, there's a movie called The Apartment that we talked about on a previous episode with uh, Sahali hmm. Jensen. And in that movie, Jack Lemmon's character, uh, like, works at this office building and he's in love with this girl who runs the elevator. Hmm. And, like, the way that he kind of impresses her is by listing all of her personal information because he's gone and read her files. So he's like, yeah, you live at this place and you come from this place. And she's like... Oh, you, you, you know everything about me personally. And nowadays well, it's like, oh, that's terrifying. Mm-hmm. He's, he's going to murder her. Mm-hmm. So it's, <laughs> it's Yeah, I think it was a different time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sad. Yeah. <laughs> Chris's employment card. I'm just reading some notes that I took yeah, sure. during the film. Feel free to jump in if you sure. have any notes you want to mm-hmm. talk about. Chris's employment card lists uh, his next of kin as being like... Dasher, Dancer, like the next of kin are the reindeer. The reindeer, yeah. So two questions about that. Uh, first of all, is San- is Mrs. Claus not around in this scenario? Like, is she sure would she not count as next of kin? She would, right? She like, would. You would put your wife as next of kin. I guess apparently I so. she's not around. Yeah. Maybe she died. Maybe she died. Oh, no. That would be awful. That's a secret layer of tragedy to this Exactly. Film. But otherwise... Well, if you list your reindeer as next of kin, who's like, how's that going to help? If you get hurt or something, who's going to get in touch with the reindeer and what are they going to do? Exactly. Anyway, it's kind if of we're silly. really going to, yeah, if we're going to explore that. Yeah. That, you should list elves very, or yeah, something. Exactly. The but, elves. But that's also Where what's sort of fun about him. Like, <laughs> you know that he, he disappears on Christmas Eve. 
like after the trial, he's like, I have to go. It's Christmas Eve. Mm-hmm. So you get the idea that like, oh, he has to go to the North Pole and mm-hmm. go deliver all the toys. But then also throughout the whole movie, he never really implies that he's going to give anyone toys. He always sets it up so that the parents, huh. which, you know, like he just kind of nice. can go to the store. and mm-hmm. get, Yeah. It's just a very interesting, like, kind of cross section between, like, believing in Santa Claus and not believing in Santa Claus. Which leads me to an interesting point. Did you believe in Santa Claus when you were a kid? I was told not to. Yeah. I didn't. (laughs) Yeah, right? I feel like I might have for, like, a couple of years, but Mm -hmm. then I feel like pretty early on we got got word that, hey, this is not not the real deal. (laughs) Got it. Hmm. I see. I think that's what the film pulls off so well, though, is that ambiguity. Yeah. Because, yeah, you, you don't really see that he actually proves anything. Right. He kind of lets surrounding evidence, maybe, you know, like when they're bringing in all that Santa mail, uh, letters addressed to Santa Claus, and he's just kind of like, you know, speaks for itself. Yeah. And and later on, even at the end of the movie, when Susan gets the house that she was dreaming of, and she's, you know, he did it, he did it. And they go in, and then there's his cane there that's mm-hmm. left there at the very end. You kind of, you wonder, you know, are we like, supposed to believe this too? Or there's like a hint of like a magicalness, but like mm-hmm. also he could just be a really clever old guy mm-hmm. and that could be how he set himself up. Which like if you contrast that to like one of our generation's popular Christmas movies, The Santa Claus. Hmm. Did, you, did you see The Santa Claus? I have not actually. Oh no. <laughs> now it's next on my list. Well, in The Santa Claus, I feel like it's also sort of a message of... You know, a similar message of you need to have faith, you need to believe, hmm. but it's portrayed in that movie as very much like, oh, I am the literal magical Santa Claus, and this is how, like, huh. the the message of having faith in something is believing in me because I truly do deliver toys with reindeer, and I, um. and that's that's what's sort of interesting. So, did you know kids who believed in Santa Claus? Yes. Did you tell them yes. that, they, that they were wrong? <laughs> I did, and I got in trouble for ah. it. I, I was told, I, usually at school, you know, it's where you'd find the kids, and, and then you'd try and tell. I'd try and tell them, oh, you know what? He's actually not real. It's usually your parents who are giving you the gifts, and they'd just get really mad, and they'd tell the <laughs> teacher on me, and then the teacher would pull me aside and say, you know what? Let's not let's not explore this topic right now, and <laughs> yeah. let's go yeah. play, do something else, and... And so growing up after that, um, there would be people, there would be other kids who would say, you know, I can't wait. I'm asking Santa for this. I sent off my list already in the mail and I would just kind of go along with it. Mm -hmm. But then in my head, of course, I was saying, yeah, but I know what's what, you know? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Which is what, what makes this movie kind of interesting. Like if, if this guy were alive in the world, Hmm. like today, I feel like that could be an interesting like halfway point where if your kids were like, is Santa Claus is real? You could be like, well, yeah, he's this guy who lives in New York <laughs> and he sort of represents stuff, but mm. he doesn't really fly around the world and deliver toys. Right. But he's a nice old man and that's what we believe in is nice people. Mm-hmm. Okay, Billy? Yeah. My son's name is Billy. <laughs> yeah, that's possible. I think it, it it does depend also on what age your the kids would be. Yeah. Because... To get a grasp on on concepts like that, sometimes for little kids, they just they don't understand it yet. They don't That's know true. how to grasp that yet. When so do you... parents like? Because you can't tell a baby, "Hey, Santa Claus is real." Mm-hmm. 
So mm. when do parents start lying to their kids about exactly. Santa Claus? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of... I, I think there's a lot of manipulation that parents... Right. <laughs> just, just to avoid... The, the conflict or the or the scene that can happen if a kid is like, oh my goodness, what's going on here? I don't like this, da da da, da. And you can, they can make a scene. So sometimes I do think as a, as a way of self-preservation, <laughs> they're just, yeah, yeah, he's real. Oh yes, yes, he's real. Now let's go home and, you know. But you have to, at some point, actually... Hit them Tell with them reality. That he's real. Yeah. Oh, well, but yeah, but you have to start the myth at some point in their mind. Like, right. They don't just from birth believe that. Right. Mm-hmm. Hmm. It's quite, quite, I don't know. It's interesting. It is interesting. Would you ever tell your kids Santa is real? No. Yeah, I don't think no, I would I don't either. think I would. No. Because I feel like it just, you're like setting up a conflict down the road that you don't necessarily have to have. Well, especially with, if we're going to look at it with um, um, a Christian perspective, not even an Adventist perspective, just a Christian yeah, perspective. Yeah, yeah. If we truly believe that, you know, every good and perfect gift comes from God, then that's that's what we're trying to teach our kids. But then you've got this other concept here that, oh, right. no, there's actually this other guy who gives you gifts, too. Yeah. So then you're you're messing with them already. And if you if you claim to be a Christian, then th- there has to be some continuity there. Yeah. In in uh, how you and also you're bringing your like magic and stuff. Into, and, and there's into that the fold, as well, which of is, course. Yeah. Yeah. So Which, sketch. <laughs> you know, not to judge anyone if they, you know, believe right. their kids to believe in Santa. Like, right. I know my sister, I think, uh, did not have her children believe in Santa Claus, if I remember correctly. Hmm. But then she was, like, sort of uh, sad to see that they didn't have that, like, kind of wonderment at Christmas time. Ah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Which is, like, sort of another reason that this, this movie is cool, because his... I, I almost feel like, it, since you brought up a religious perspective, mm-hmm. like, his whole message of having faith in Santa, like, was very parallel, I think, to a message of faith that you could apply to religion. Like, right. you could apply to a faith in God. And so then Santa kind of becomes, like, a godlike character, but not mm-hmm. in, like, a super overt, like, blasphemous way right, in this right. movie. Right, <laughs> right. Yeah. Which I liked. Mm-hmm. I did, too. <laughs> It's a good it's a good message of hope and faith, which I guess mm-hmm. they're pretty clear about the whole way through. Yeah. Um at one point during the trial, the judge is talking to his advisor, political advisor. Something I'm not like sure that. who yeah. that guy was. Because he's got a campaign to be yeah, reelected. He's soon. the guy who's gonna get him reelected as judge. Yeah. So judges are of officials that are elected. Right. Okay. That's how our American government works. Yep. Thank, thanks for filling <laughs> But he has this big speech about, oh, so you say that there's no Santa. And then little kids read that on the newspapers. And then the toy companies go out of business. And then the whole economy fails. Like, oh, as because if, of you. Yeah, <laughs> as if this... First of all, just as if a judge saying there's no Santa would actually have that kind of... Like, as though little kids are reading the paper all over the country. Right, right. He wouldn't have that kind of backlash. Yeah. No. But it, I guess that sets up stakes for his character. Mm-hmm. Which, it was funny how so many different characters, like, their whole conflict hinged on, like, their relationship with their own children. Mm-hmm. Like, the uh, the prosecuting lawyer. Yeah. Like, and his son Billy. He had to 
concede the existence of Santa Claus because his son was in the room, mm-hmm. which I feel like from a legal point of view is like that's wrong. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like you're clearly admitting something that you know to be false because mm-hmm. your kid is here and right. you don't want to ruin it for him. <laughs> but yeah, that's where the truth comes out then. It should have come out there. <laughs> yeah. It would be a very different movie. Yeah, it would have. <laughs> if that lawyer had just been like, Billy, there's no Santa Claus. His name was Billy too, right? Yeah, no, it was. I think his name yeah. was Tommy or something like that. I think it was Billy. Everybody's name is Billy. <laughs> yeah. Every little boy's name is Billy. <laughs> but it's true. I mean, I, I saw that kind of a bit of a guilt complex as well in um, Alfred, the janitor guy. Mm-hmm. Because he the was little, saying, the you know, boy, not the little, but the, the seventeen, the teen, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and how the psychiatrist was telling him, you know, ah, this is just because of guilt that you want to give gifts out and everything. Mm-hmm. And um, I did read somewhere that that it was, uh, yeah, a bit of a guilt trip because back then, even back then, people were trying to again get back to normal life and try to embrace their Christian values and beliefs and things were were being challenged because of communism that was slowly on the rise and and they were trying to fight that war on the home front as opposed to you know overseas now so people were being told you know this is not true whatever you believe in is not true not true not true interesting they were that was that was the that. message like of the communists was whatever you believe isn't true or not necessarily i guess i, I mm. I'd have to rephrase that. I don't know how. So was Santa, <laughs> but, was the concept of Santa like considered to be pro-communist or anti-communist? <laughs> no, no. I think it was anti-communist. Okay. Yeah. So the the idea was that he represented the the Christian values or mm-hmm. the, the that hope guess, and that American faith. values yeah. that were sort of under attack at the mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. So then the movie is sort of like political in that sense too. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Yeah. There were some undertones there. That was it was pretty neat. That character, that seventeen-year-old kid, was a good character too. He was. Mm-hmm. Like every I, that's one thing that, like, from a filmmaking perspective, is really great about this movie is all of these characters are fleshed out, hmm. like, in a really nice whole way. Like, sort of, I guess, stereotypical of like an old movie. Sure. But like, he talks with like an accent, like a what, like a New Yorky accent, a or bit, something, yeah. And he's like. Maybe not the brightest, you know, mm-hmm. bulb, mm-hmm. but he's got such a good heart and he's, you know, really loyal about, like, doing his job as yeah. best he can. It's he's like, a likable character. Yeah, yeah, they all are, except yeah. for that stupid psychiatrist, psychiatrist guy, <laughs> who's also kind of funny, like, when he gets mm-hmm. knocked on the head. Yeah. He, now, there's an interesting thing, though. Mm. He was technically right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, he was. To where... I mean, he wasn't challenging Chris's, like, delusion of being Santa Claus at all. He was just, like, being mean to him and being, like, unprofessional about his psychiatry. Mm-hmm. And Chris says, there's only one way to deal with people like you. <laughs> and hits him on the head with his cane. Yeah. So he does believe, like, Chris does believe that, like, violence is the answer <laughs> to some... Some situations like some that. People, which is interesting. It's, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like, have you seen the 1995 version of this movie? I have not, but I have heard that there, there is an, an yeah, a later, a remake? Right. Yeah. 
And I'm not sure, if I remember correctly, I feel like that scene with him hitting someone plays out kind of differently. Oh, does it? To where, like, they, and I could be totally making this up, but I feel like it's like they more trap him and, like, get him all worked up and, like, backed into so a So they corner. provoke him. Yeah. Rather than, okay. Whereas in this, it's very clearly, like, Chris is like, I need to hit you now. <laughs> Goodbye. Yeah. <laughs> Who's your favorite character in this movie? I think my favorite character would be probably Susan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because I watched, you know, as a kid and I could relate with her. Even even though um, I could relate to her cynicism, I think. It's kind of unfortunate. Yeah. But, but I mean, she, she was very realistic. However, there was something interesting in the way that um, some of her social skills were not developed because her imagination was stifled by her mother. Mm-hmm. And the scene where uh, Chris Kringle is teaching her how to be a monkey, mm-hmm. let's imagine mm-hmm. that we're monkeys. I thought that was really neat because I was very imaginative too. And I, I didn't relate to her on that level because I, I could imagine how, right. to, you how could to play. could be a monkey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I could be a monkey. And um, to see how... To see how he dealt with someone who didn't know how to get in touch with that particular area was was really neat to 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 see. Yeah. And then um, later on to to kind of watch her journey evolve within the movie as as a character to see where she is at with this cynical kind of realistic maybe a little lost as well and then finally finding that belief. Even though I did not agree that there there is a Santa Claus, but she did. Right. Just to see that journey was was really neat. I so. yeah the, that she's got to be that's got to be one of the best like kid performances that I've ever seen. Yes. Yes. Like, um, the way that she like the look she gets in her eye when you can see that she's starting to believe something is mm-hmm. like. Such mm-hmm. a, like, you you immediately identify with what she's feeling and what's mm-hmm. going through her mind. And, yeah, like, her learning to be a monkey <laughs> and stuff like that is is great. Um, like, one of my favorite parts is when Fred takes her to the store to see Santa. Mm-hmm. And she, like, he just says, like, oh, well, I thought we could go see him or something. And she looks at him like... Yeah, she's like... Like, she gives him this weird right. little look, and then the camera cuts out to a two-shot, and she's still just sitting there giving him this cockeyed look yeah. for the remainder of that shot. It's very funny mm-hmm. and very cute, and also very sad to know it's that sad. that actress yeah. <laughs> later drowned mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. under mysterious circumstances, which is a very dark it's kind quite, of quite. shadow over this lovely movie. And probably, I mean, I assume she was a famous actor for the rest of her life, so mm-hmm. it's probably a Starting dark shadow over things, a lot yeah. of movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This had to be, like, what launched her career, though, right? For sure. Yeah. I believe so. Mm-hmm. And then you get into the whole issue of child actors. And <laughs> is that what... It's interesting. I won't it go is. into it in too much detail, but right, I think, right. like... I think, like, Christopher Walken was implicated or something. Really? In her, like, he was on the boat or something. And oh it was all, like, no one knows what happened. Hmm. I just remember watching this movie a couple years ago with a group of friends. Mm-hmm. And, like, I was always just on my phone looking at what the... I think I might have been just looking at how all the actors died. Oh. Because that's... 
That's always well, sort I mean, of a morbid yeah. curiosity. Is like, well, oh, how and, long and did also, this person live? You exactly. Know? With an old movie like this, too, you kind yeah. of just wonder, yeah, are they still like, around, you first know of that, all? You know that, uh, what's his name, Gene, uh, Gene Lockhart? No. Mm-hmm. Edmund Gwen. Edmund, Edmund Gwen, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know he's not going to be he, Right, exactly. But, by it's the kinda, way, yeah. mm. to bring it back away from, but yeah, I remember like, I remember Googling that and being like, hey, that little girl drowned and like saying that in front of everybody <laughs> and just being very like upsetting to them. But the Santa Cooper. Claus character also, that's got to be my favorite portrayal of someone playing Santa Claus. Not yes. that I've seen. There's him and Tim Allen probably. Tim Allen, yes. Yeah. From the Santa Claus. When was that? Is that? Yeah. Maybe I did see so it. So you then. did see the Santa Claus. I must have. Yeah. I must have. Yeah. Cause he okay yeah he's the one where he he's trying to get back his wife and kid mm-hmm. and, okay okay and he turns into Santa Claus turns because into... he accidentally knocks him off a roof <laughs> and whoever puts on the suit becomes Santa Claus got it okay I think I do remember now I did watch it yay I just I think for me the fascinating point or the fascinating area to touch upon was to see the context in which the movie was made in when mm-hmm. it premiered absolutely and to see the history behind behind it. And how it fit in with America back then. Mm-hmm. And some of the uh, the dialogue in the movie is strictly pertaining to that time. Okay. Which is really neat. And so, for example, yeah, um, there is the scene where Chris Kringle discovers that the Santa who's drinking on the float should not be drinking. Mm-hmm. And he's it's asking cold him, out. It's cold. It's cold. to do something. Exactly. Right? To keep warm. It's I mean, I got to do something to keep warm. And um, I realized that looking at, again, where they were, America was just coming out of World War II, and they were just starting the Cold War, and there was not a lot of belief, there was not a lot of um, warmth anymore, and a lot of people were kind of losing, yeah, they were kind of losing, they were becoming cynical in America, Mm. and... But this particular character was turning to the wrong thing to keep him warm. And right. a lot of people were turning to the wrong, to drugs and to alcohol and stuff, to keep them warm, to numb the pain of what was happening in their, in their lives. So That's I thought great. that was really, That's really deep. A, a really <laughs> interesting, yeah. Yeah. This is a good movie. It like, is. For, for so many reasons. There, there's a part where um, the psychologist or the doctor from mm. the old folks' home mentions some guy who believes himself to be a Russian prince or something like that. Hmm. Did you do you remember that part? I don't. Because he's he's like he's explaining why it's okay to say that Chris is Santa Claus and he says like there's a fella in the news, I don't remember his name, but he believes himself to be a Russian prince and he has Hmm. all and there's all this evidence proving him wrong, but he's like and I was curious if that was like something real that was happening in the news or something that that's, could very well be hmm. yeah it's curious i always wonder what like little inside jokes like you mm-hmm. said the thing about the cold war yeah. like that's something i definitely wouldn't have picked up me on neither or known. no so like yeah it's always interesting when you look at a classic movie that has so much in it that has endured over time mm-hmm. like what about it was specific to the time that it was in right and then you can see, I think you can see because of the way that um, the the movie was, was made, the way the story was developed and everything like that, then you can have a better understanding of why it's so iconic or why it's so classic, why it has endured yeah. over time, which is kind of interesting. 
one thing that's interesting to me is that you you pick up very quickly that Santa Claus is used as a vehicle for commercialism. Mm -hmm. These two competing stores, Macy's and Gimbel's, they're trying to get more people to shop at their places. And he is, Kris Kringle is able to kind of pull away from that um, perception, from that concept. He, he'll direct other shoppers to other stores. He, he will recommend things that are not available at Macy's where he's working. And to kind of see how the commercialism that surrounds a lot of these characters is dealt with in a in, in a very almost subtle way. Right. I, I found that to be quite entertaining. Yeah, it's sort of having the spirit of Christmas take over like the yeah, the more sort of selfish or business oriented motivations other people have. Mm-hmm. It all kind of falls away and, and, and like really like most people in the movie sort of accept this idea of like, well, it's all about the kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In- you do anything for the including children. Including right? Mr. Macy, right? Mm-hmm. For the most part. Like he's he's also profiting off of this. For sure. But he gets that nice little moment on the stand where he has this like he's faced with the question of is Santa Claus real? Do you believe him to be the actual Santa Claus? And his first thought hmm. is, oh, they're going to say that I, you know, admitted that he's a fraud. But then his second thought is thinking about all the kids and right. how happy it's made them. So right. you see that he's, which is interesting because Macy's, how how much did Macy's department store have to make with the making of this movie? Right. <laughs> because it sort of could be like a snake eating its own tail <laughs> of... It's a movie about how Macy's is not a commercial, mm-hmm. like, right, right. puts the spirit of Christmas over commercialism, mm-hmm. but it's also a movie, so that means that They're Macy's promoting is, themselves, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a very sneaky, interesting it is. way to go about it. Don't know if they win or not, but, you know, it's... <laughs> but, like, also Gimbal... Now, there's two... two while, we're, while we're throwing in a couple random things here, mm-hmm. there's two scenes... The scene where Mr. Macy gives Chris a check, right? And Mm -hmm. Chris says that he's going to use that to help buy an x-ray for a doctor, he Hmm. knows. Mm -hmm. I'm assuming that's the doctor at the old folks home, possibly? Possibly. And then who's the other guy they're standing with? Is that the guy from Gimbal's? I think so. Right? Either that or it's like the the director of the floor of the shopping, you know, the shopping... At Macy's? I think. I was... I was a little confused I'm, by that. I'd have to go back and see Because it. <laughs> it goes into them like competing over who's going to pay for this x-ray machine. Oh. And then might he... Might be Gimbal's. That, yeah, that, Gimbal. I feel like that's right. Mm-hmm. And then he says, you can buy it through the store and get a 20% discount. You can, I can get it at cost. And then they all just laugh. <laughs> <laughs> and like, this, can Macy's sell x-ray machines? I was confused that's by quite, what... That's quite a... Yeah. A product? I don't know. I think that is the scene, though, where um, it was like a miraculous thing because Chris Kringle got Gimbal and Macy to kind of yeah. uh, shake hands and not be enemies anymore. Which also, so you know, that that's that's scene. good for Gimbal's, too. So mm-hmm. it sort of does embody that spirit of, like, commercialism. Like, mm-hmm. if, if anything, it's sort of a, a rising tide raises all ships sort of scenario yeah. where yeah. it's like... If we all embrace Christmas and we're all, like, good to humanity, then, hey, we're all going to make money. Right, <laughs> like, right. 
But exploitation. <laughs> there was one more random scene, mm. which is the scene where Santa's or Chris is putting Susie to bed. Uh-huh. Which first of all, the way the scene is set up is kind of weird because they're their maid, their housekeeper. Yeah. She's like, Good night, Susie, and closes the door, and Chris is just standing in the dark. <laughs> and he sort of steps out and he's like, Do you want me to sing you a song? <laughs> And then he asks for a piece of her chewing gum. Right. And apparently blows a big bubble and it gets all over his beard. Mm-hmm. Why was that in the movie? <laughs> I have no idea. I'm wondering if it's kind of like, you know, the old embodying the, yeah. the young at heart, being young at heart again. Oh, okay, yeah. That possibly. Makes sense. It just seemed like a It was random, a little random. Like the director was just like, you know, it'd be funny as if Chris Kringle got a bunch of gum in his beard. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. He is. Well. I guess that's about it, unless there's anything else you wanted to bring up, anything you wanted to let the uh, audience know about. I think you all should just watch this movie. It's a very, it is classic, and it's classic for a reason. And uh, it's it's neat to be able to see all the different elements and the details come together. And I think I think you will enjoy it. Absolutely. Hopefully you've watched it already if you're listening to this. Otherwise, that might be kind of... Um, you know do what you want it's your yeah <laughs> um amber anything you want the audience to know about uh, as far as your social media or any of your creative endeavors that you'd like them to check out oh yes i think the one that i have the most fun with is my instagram account so mm-hmm. you could check me out at the sarno t-h-e-s-a-r-n-o the sarno on instagram very talented photographer well thank you it's and nice to work with great photographer friends like you. Yes, you can, yeah. if you visit my Instagram, Chris Emerson <laughs> with three Zs, you can see some photos of Amber and you can see some photos she's taken of me and we, we've had lots of photo adventures together. Collaboration. That's yes. actually how we met. That's right. Through photography. So. That's true. That's right. So it's great. And uh, as for... The rest of the world, uh, have a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And thank you for listening to... We'll see you in 2018. To Real Classy. Because new movies are only new for a short time, but old movies will only get older. Good night. (laughs) Good night.